0: Welcome to another three-minute therapy podcast. Kevin, Chris, and I are here every week, pretty much doing a podcast related to REBT. REBT is Rational Emotive Behavior Therapy, which is a type of psychotherapy founded by Dr. Albert Ellis in the 1950s and created a revolution in psychotherapy. REBT is based on the idea that our emotional disturbance, depression, anger, and anxiety doesn't come from situations themselves, but rather it comes from our thinking about situations. So if someone criticizes you and you feel hurt, your emotion of hurt came from your thinking about being criticized, like I, need their approval, or I must not be criticized, or I can stand criticism. So it's that thinking that causes our emotional disturbance rather than uh, the situations themselves, no matter how bad. So even in the worst situations, even if your doctor tells you you have terminal cancer and three months to live, and you feel depressed, it's still your thinking. The principle doesn't change no matter how bad or good the situation is. So that's a very powerful idea because if you have disturbed emotions or emotions you don't wanna have, then look at the thinking that's causing it and change your thinking. So that's REBT, Rational Emotive Behavior Therapy. This podcast is always related to something Uh, that we can get from Rational Emotive Behavior Therapy. And I'm here with Kevin Benbow, a REBT therapist in Yuma, Arizona, and Chris Rossini in the wings, who's our tech engineer. And uh, before we go on, Kevin, did you want to say anything else about yourself?
1: No, I'm uh, basically, you got it. I'm a licensed professional counselor uh, located in Yuma, Arizona. I see people uh, exclusively by telehealth.
0: Okay, very good. And I'm doing everything by phone and Zoom remotely these days. I also have a number of books. The most popular one is called Three Minute Therapy, Change Your Thinking, Change Your Life. And you can find that on Amazon. But well, we're fortunate today to have a guest and a special guest, and that is Majid Benes. And Majid is a student of REBT and a very conscientious and successful student. And I think, Majid, you were going to discuss some of your successes and experience with rational emotive behavior therapy. Am I correct? Absolutely. I'd be happy to.
2: Thanks for having me again. You're welcome
0: okay and uh, so do you want to just give us a brief history tell us why you can why you implemented rebt in your life and how it's helped
2: well why that's a good question you've been now almost 11 years ago when i met you before i was uh, well i was basic, basically lost in the freudian uh psychotherapy or how do you call it psycho how do you call it dr psycho- psychoanalysis yeah. freudian yes, psychoanalysis exactly where you sit down on a chair on a couch and you keep talking about your childhood your dreams your subconscious for years and years and years without with zero results and even when you go to a psychiatrist he has the same idea excuse me about the therapy and he reinforced what the psychologist who's doing Freudian psychology, both of them, you're in a big mess in the middle with the medicine, with the drugs, and the psychotherapy, psychotherapist. Yeah. And yeah. there is no results. You, you feel better in the hour, you feel better after 15 minutes, and the problem is still there. So after I discovered through you, cause I had no idea what REBT was until I met you and I read the book. And I always thank God as I'm a believer that he made it happen. Uh it changed my thinking, it changed my life, the way I look at problems, the way I look at life in general. And I found it very, very, very similar to my beliefs, the Islamic beliefs, in the Quran, that everything's God's in charge. You can fight with destiny. He's in charge. He's the one who run the universe, not you. And acceptance, 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 whether it's on yourself, life and others. And that's how I fell in love with REBT. Yeah, very good. And uh,
0: I'm glad you mentioned psychoanalysis because I had mentioned uh, Albert Ellis created a revolution in psychotherapy, but Majid brings up more about what that was about. And uh, for many, many years, Freud and Freudian-oriented therapy took hold among therapists. And the idea was that your, your emotional problems don't come from your thinking, but it comes from your childhood. Your dysfunctional, crazy parents who raised you, you learned it from them. But we know that that's not how emotions work. It was what you told yourself about your childhood that caused your problems, such as I need my parents' approval or I'm no good because my parents are criticizing me. And then in psychoanalysis, as machine is saying, uh, you often get a caring, compassionate therapist that helps you feel good, but it doesn't give you any ways or any methods you can use to overcome your emotional problems.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now,
0: one of the main methods we teach in REBT in looking at your thinking is looking for your demands, must, shoulds, supposed tos, have tos, demands you put on yourself, others, or situations, such as, because I prefer to do well and get your approval, therefore I absolutely must, I have to do well, I have to get your approval, and if I fail, or you criticize me, then I'm no good. So it starts with the demand, the must, and ends with a global evaluation. In this case, I'm no good. Mm -hmm. And that uh, comes from anxiety, that causes anxiety, depression, self-pity, and guilt. The second of the three demands is a demand on others, not on oneself. And that takes the form, because I prefer you treat me well, Therefore, you must, you have to, and if you don't, uh, you're no good, and you deserve to roast in hell, and I'm gonna roast you. So anger is a demand on others. And then the third of the three demands is a demand on the impersonal conditions of one's life. My life must be fair, easy, and hassle-free. If it's not, then my life is no good, um, mis- I have to be miserable and escape from my miserable feelings in drugs or procrastination or even worse, suicide. Mm-hmm. So we teach our clients to up- identify these musts and uproot them. Oh, were you going to say something?
2: So what I was going to mention about, from my personal experience with REBT As we were born with an imperfect brain and we, whether you suffer from any disorder or not, you always get deceptive brain messages. And uh, as imperfect human, when you do from, this is my personal experience with my OCD. I feel comfortable after months or years, let's say months doing the exercise, three minute exercise, A, B, C, D, E, F. And I do it and I feel great and I feel powerful, I feel feel above or stronger than my OCD and then I let go. I let go and then I find myself in a hole that you really, really, it is, I won't say impossible, it's possible to get out of it, but it's extremely difficult and the cause is because I felt comfortable not doing the exercise. Right, so when you say you let go,
0: uh, by that do you mean, that you do the exercises that helps you feel better and do better, and then, yep. and then you uh, decide, well, I'm okay, no reason to do the exercises anymore, and then when you stop doing the
2: exercises, you. Uh,
0: this is what I want to point. return.
2: Exactly because when you feel better, you think it's it's permanent, which is not. You have an imperfect brain. You it's like as you mentioned in your book, you have to floss your teeth in order not to have the cavity. On a regular basis. On a regular basis, every day. If you want to feel better or, or keep it, I, I personally call it the maintenance of, 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 of our EBT. Uh-huh. I have yeah. to do- it. Yeah, right. You know, it says maintenance. In order to keep going, you have to do the, again, it's not a pathological must. It's, it's a rational must. You must do the exercise.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, you had to. Right. it's a preferential must. Exactly. If you want to get better and often to stay better, preferentially you should or must continue with the exercises. And that's true for most people. There are some people who actually internalize this for good after doing the exercises and questioning their musts and shoulds and contradicting them uh, on a regular basis. But most of us imperfect humans, find it difficult to maintain that uh, yes. unconditional self-acceptance, unconditional other acceptance, and unconditional life acceptance. So we keep practicing the exercises. Well, we I like to
1: encourage – oh, I'm sure. sorry. Go well, ahead. I, I, I was just going to say I like – when I talk to people about this particular aspect of it, I, I like to liken it to uh, going to the gym we all understand the concept. If I go and I do exercises, I'll build up my body. Nobody expects that uh, it's going to be a one and done. I'm going to go to the gym for a day, a week, a month, and that's going to make, uh, uh everything, uh, better for me permanently. It's a, it's a constant, uh, discipline for most of us. And, uh, uh, I want, personally, I notice over time, the more I work on these things in myself, it takes a little less maintenance, but it is still important to be looking for those demands.
0: Yes, yes. And uh, along those lines, I've given myself the lifetime assignment to write out the three minute exercise twice every day, which I do early in the morning. And that's the A, B, C, D, E, F excise uh, exercise. Or, someone sometimes it's called the ABCs, right out the ABCs on a regular basis. And that's why I'm so sane. I do it twice a day. So
2: that tends to keep the musts and shoulds at bay. And I want to mention something, Dr. Adelstein, Kevin, that with people who are suffering or have uh, OCD disorder, it's even more because your brain believes the wrong messages. So you have to in a good way, you have to do the exercise even more than you. You as a therapist, successful therapist, who's well-known, you do it twice a day, let alone somebody who's suffered from OCD. He needs five or six.
0: Yes, yeah. Wow. And uh, along with that, uh, some of my clients wait until they're in the midst of a problem, they're anxious or they're depressed or they're acting addictively, and then they do it. But then it's too late, just as Majid yes. said. It's like brushing your teeth. You don't wait for the dentist to tell you, you have cavities to start brushing your teeth. You brush your teeth every day because- exactly. you I said, if you don't, the plaque and bacteria will start to build up. And if you don't, for most people, if you don't do the uh, ABC exercises every day, the musts and shoulds will start to build up.
1: Mm-hmm. i like to, if I could just bounce off that a bit. Uh, I like to I like to tell people that we're creating a new habit. Uh, bad habits are easy to start and hard to quit. Uh, good habits are hard to start and easy to quit. And so I encourage people not to be too demanding on themselves. We don't want to fall into uh, I must do this I must do this every day or I'm a loser and uh, my therapist will think I'm an absolute uh, absolute failure. Uh, what we what, what i encourage people to do is do their best the best they know how to do these on a regular basis and then use that unhealthy negative emotion when it comes up when you feel that anger you feel that depression you feel that anxiety that is like a warning light on your dashboard the mm-hmm. problem isn't really the emotion. That's the the emotion is simply the byproduct of the irrational thinking. Any more than the warning light is a uh, problem is is the problem. It indicates a problem. Of course, unhealthy emotions can bring bring about other problems. But we're looking for the root, and that's that's in the uh, in the irrational thinking. Yeah, I agree.
2: With you. Yeah, go on, Rajid. What I was going to say, the setbacks from uh, personal experience will teach you because the must is always in your brain when you say, I must do it, I have to do it in order for me to feel better. And then you have secondary disturbance. You're already not feeling good because you let yourself go and not maintain the exercise every day. And then the secondary disturbance, I must do it. But the setbacks will teach you, for example, if I miss or I'm missing days, like, oh, Majid, Oh, you're gonna suffer. You're gonna survive it as you survived before, but it's better not to. It's painful. Let's do the exercise. And the setbacks will teach you to get rid of automatically get rid of the musts because you don't wanna you don't wanna be in the hole again. Nobody <laughs> wants to be in the hole of the OCD. Yeah, to- yeah,
0: that's a good way to put it. That when you feel anxious, depressed, angry, act addictively, obsessively, use that as a red flag, as Majid is saying, to remind yourself it's time to get back to my uh, three-minute exercises on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. One last thing I'd like to mention uh, that I found interesting, and that is uh, Majid mentioned, uh, he's a follower of Islam. And uh, through that, I came across this uh, a website called islamicsunrays.com islamicsunrays.com, and I was struck by the similarity, some of the similarities between Islam and REBT.
2: A lot. Sorry to interrupt you, Dr. Agustin. It's a lot of, I mean, I can say as a Muslim, 95, 98%. Yeah,
0: yes, and I just, to document that, uh, I came across uh, this website, islamicsunrays.com, and here are some of the things that the author says on it. Uh, and it comes from Islam. If you've harmed someone, forgive yourself. Don't carry guilt and shame around in your heart like a poison dagger. Constant regret for the past is a waste of spirit. You are not an angel, nor am I, nor any human being on this earth. It's part of Allah's plan that you commit sins and he forgives you. Don't despise yourself forgive yourself. It's okay to let go of the past. Tomorrow is a new day. Wake up and do your best every day. Be peaceful and strive to be happy." So uh, that was very, very interesting, very fascinating to me, those similarities, which Majid obviously was familiar with.
1: Kevin, did you just...
0: ever talk about that?
1: Yeah, uh, that's, that's, really, uh, that's really interesting. Years ago, when I started, I, I set up a, a Facebook uh, account for uh, my practice, uh, Cognitive Therapy of Yuma. I was really surprised that some of the first uh, followers and people who liked it were from uh, the Arabic-speaking world or from that part of the world, from Egypt, from uh, all these other places. And that really, really surprised me. Uh, one thing that dawned on me is that those of us who practice these kinds of therapies we tend to leave other we tend to leave people's religious beliefs alone and sometimes we can find uh, we can find things that parallel uh, what we're teaching in uh, different scriptures uh, for example uh, I have a background in the Bible and with my uh, religious clients, I find it resonates with them to uh, use certain passages and, uh, uh, you know, show how uh, these basic principles have existed for a long time. Ah, uh-huh. uh-huh. yes, yes. And well, uh, the beauty, the beauty of R.E.B.T. But I fell in love
2: with R.E.B.T. because the Quran has no shoulds or musts. You have a choice. Mm. Yes, there is hell and heaven, but it's your choice. You want to, there is consequences, but there is no must. You must die as a Muslim, or you must go to hell, or you must go to heaven. No, it's your choice. There's yes, a uh, but it's your choice. There's yeah, no must your choice,
0: what you're going to do. Are you going to have another drink or not? That's your exactly. choice. You're
2: yeah. going to go shoot
0: heroin or not. That's your yeah. choice. Yeah. Yeah, Jeffrey Schleiler wrote a book called Addiction is a Choice. Um I've heard the expression that the drug has hijacked your, your brain. Well, I'm afraid it doesn't work that way. Your thinking has hijacked your brain. No drug can hijack your, brain, hijack your brain. It could make it more likely and more of an influence on acting addictively. But the bottom line is it's your choice. Sometimes it's very, very difficult to make that choice, but it's still your choice.
1: Yeah. It can be so difficult, it seems, to, to us like there's no choice. That's right. not the reality. It seems like there's no choice, but there is a choice. Yeah, We can just get through it. It's yeah. true.
2: Kevin, Dr. Augustine, years and years ago, told me something, and I still say it to my alcoholic friends, and they find it fascinating. They're stuck. They can't answer. He told me that, let's suppose somebody with the gun Stand in, pointing at the gun. and like, "If you have a drink, I'll shoot you right now." Would you drink? They yeah. can answer no. Yeah.
0: And these are people who say, "I have no choice." Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, that, that said, I've, I've used that on quite a few people myself for different things. And some people, some people will stubbornly cling to that and say, "Yes, you. I would not take a drink, or I would not do this." And, and one thing, one thing I learned to say, okay. Uh, think about their loved one. What if someone came in and pointed the gun at your child? Would you then continue to take a drink? That one resonates with some people a little bit better. Uh, I had a hard pressed to find someone to say, yeah, go ahead and shoot my child while I take this shot.
0: Yeah. So in the first instance, Kevin, you were saying that they would agree that if a gun was pointed at them, they would they
1: would not drink or they were saying they still would drink. They they say they would still would drink.
0: Oh, uh, I haven't come across any people like oh, that. Oh yeah, yeah.
1: I've had them say say things, but if I but if say things similar to that. But if I'll if I move it to a, you know, their child, their spouse, right, whatever, right, suddenly right, it's right. like, okay, yeah. I could do, and it's a broad range of things. Like I could do my studies and focus if someone yeah. pointed a gun yeah. at my kid's sister. Not me, though. If you point a gun, I, I think that's really BS. I think if it really happened, they really would. But uh, that's, that's just my, uh, my take
2: on <laughs> it. I agree with you. I agree. Because I have a lot of them that I
1: know and
2: friends, and I ask them, they can answer because they want to be the macho man. They can't mm-hmm. answer, but I know inside of them, anybody yeah. with the gun on your head, on your head, you're not going to have a drink. Yeah. And this is why the psychoanalysis messed up people. Because when they go to a psychotherapy or uh, a therapist who follow the Freud it, Freud therapy, which is the psychoanalysis, this is, oh, tell me about your drinking, mm, your parents screw you up, or your childhood, it's a bunch of BS. Yeah. To tell you something that I find fascinating, Dr. Alistair, in the, air, in the Muslim world, and I've seen it with my own eyes back home when I grew up, there have been alcoholics who quit completely without any help of any doctor. And I question why
0: uh-huh uh, right that's right
2: that's they right. literally they go you come to the mosque dude, you were in the street for 20 years oh I stopped and I if you tell any any doc, any, any, any psychiatrist it was your line. I've seen it because right. the way they thought about it
1: Exactly. Exactly. Can I, can I throw something out there? One that?
0: last word, Kevin, then we better yeah. wrap it up.
1: There's some interesting research out there that our rehabilitation programs in the United States, at least, have an abysmal record, about a 9% effectiveness rate. And truth be told, uh, most people that quit harmful substances, not just alcohol or cigarettes, but heroin, methamphetamine, most people that do eventually quit do it on their own. Yeah. And the re- the reason is very, very simple. They get tired of the, ba- of the consequences. They yeah. get tired of living with it. And so they decide, you know what, enough of this. I'm not going to do this. So mm-hmm.
0: Okay, okay, very good, very good. Well, I'd uh, like to thank you again, Majid, for being- Oh, thank you for having me. You. I think that was very valuable. And uh, thanks, Kevin. And thanks, Chris for me, our tech engineer. Uh, if you had any thoughts about this episode, please comment below our YouTube. Um, give us a thumbs up if you liked it. Suggest subjects that you would like us to discuss or questions or hard issues. If you'd like to volunteer and be a guest on the show, that would be wonderful. Majid survived and you will probably as well. Yes, you um, will. <laughs> yeah. Majid is living proof. <laughs> yeah. And uh, donate to Patreon to help support us and subscribe to three minute therapy podcast to stay,
1: Stay on the rational side of life.